Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch a simulcast stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, on this rainy Friday. But that's getting to be a non-unique statement. It's like, you know, it rains every day and it jamborees we tried to get them all done last night they didn't all get played but the ones at uh cajun field did get played there was lightning delays some people don't like lightning delays some people don't um want to sit through lightning delays some people don't understand that the there's not a whole lot of choice to be made there are rules and you you just can't play and sometimes you don't agree with those rules but they kind of are what they are okay uh turlings beat como 24 to nothing karen crow and we'll be speaking in the next segment with karen crow high head football coach tony corville uh they beat st martinville 13 to 12 all right, here, we're getting set. You have yours? All right. We've got a special treat for y'all here in a couple minutes. But uh, as I said, Turlings beat Como 24 to nothing. Karen Crow beat St. Martinville 13 to 12. And Southside beat Brobridge 14 to 6. So got um, more games scheduled tonight, and, ho- and I keep – Again, I, I'm terrible at getting up in the morning and looking at rain weather forecasts, but people who have are telling me that it's going to be really bad again tonight. So it's just pas bon. Pas bon for sure. Uh, Astros got a sweep last night. 6-0 and against the Twins. I don't know if any of y'all got a chance to watch this, but any of the games in this series, Carlos Correa looks terrible. His swing looks bad. Like he just, I, he is not having a good year. Uh, I got to believe that's going to cost him some money because he's, you know, all everybody believes and every sign points towards the fact that he's going to opt out after this one year and try to get this mega contract. He just... He does not look good at all at the plate. He got, I think, one hit, maybe a sacrifice fly or two. He's got his swing is what it just seems like it's too uppercut, more uppercut than it was when he was in Houston. I don't know what's going on, but as a man once said, he ain't no kin of mine. So it, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't have any issues with him as long as he doesn't go play for the Punks or the Yankees, but. Not not good. Astros open up a three-game series tonight against the Orioles. You can hear it right here on the game, 103.7, Lafayette, 104.1, Lake Charles. It'd be nice if they could get that sweep, another sweep against the Orioles. But remember, last year, this was a 
about as crazy a six-game set as you can have. The Astros went to Baltimore and just skull-drug them for three games, and then they came home and Baltimore skull-drug them in Houston. So who knows what's going to happen in this series. But it'd be nice to – two would be acceptable, three would be tremendous going into the – not looking forward to playing the Rangers, but maybe, maybe it'll work out well. All right. We've this will be I think the third time we've done this. We've had some very strange concoctions <laughs> of candy corn the last couple years, and here we go with a new one. We what do we have? Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Uh, and what was the other one? There was a. Um, I don't think I've had your other candy corn ones. I know we did jelly beans two different times, and one of them was like. Taco but it was truck, Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, taco truck. That's what it was. It was taco, taco truck. Taco truck was jelly beans, though. They were jelly no, beans. No, it they was candy, candy corn. corn. I thought it was jelly beans. Yeah, I thought it was candy beans. corn. Anyway, this is <laughs> tailgate candy corn. <laughs> so here are the flavors. Um, hot dog, hamburger, popcorn, fruit punch, and vanilla cream. So we're both going to try them. And see um, what they taste like. No, I tried to like smell each one and looking at the package to see which one was which, but and you figured it out. You no, I couldn't. They all smelled exactly the same. So so I don't see one that looks like hot dog. I mean, I would think it would be the one that has the yellowish top and then the pink bottom. Okay, let's try that one and see if it's hot dog. I don't know what that is. I guess that's hot taste, dog. Yeah, I think it's hot dog. We don't taste that great, no. It doesn't taste bad, though. It's just not. No. None of these are as bad as, like, <laughs> green beans for the oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> that or the guacamole for the jelly bean taco <laughs> truck. So we've got, we. it's unbelievable. I mean, they didn't have all this stuff years ago. No. Tailgate candy corn. We I wonder which one is a hamburger. Um. Now the vanilla ice cream is probably good. Yeah, I think the vanilla ice cream is the white one, huh? I think it's the one with the white top and the yellow yeah, bottom. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the popcorn is the one with the. So you eat the all of them yellow. because it's not it's not as good for me eating it on the air. And tell <laughs> and tell me which one you think is the best and worst. Tailgate candy corn. See, I like candy corn. Some people don't. And I, I, I mean, I, I'm perfectly fine experimenting with candy. So the one with the whiter top and the yellowish bottom—that's yeah. the popcorn. Oh, that's popcorn. Yeah, I taste the buttery feel, like the that buttery taste of it. Okay, that's so, pretty good. That's, that's not bad. No. Okay, so which one is the is the yellow one? The vanilla, yellow and darker yellow. It's tasting like it, but yeah. then again, they all trying to taste the same because candy corn. But how can a hamburger be pink? Because before it's cooked, it's pink. Oh, that's true. I mean, am I wrong? Somebody if you else don't, is No, this. if you don't like, <laughs> yeah. don't know. <laughs> if you don't like, um, yeah. So anyway, we've had fun with this. And people say, how can you eat this stuff? Mm. Megan at work is going <laughs> to, she's going to like this. Not really. Megan made me oatmeal cookies earlier because we went through the whole, I don't like chocolate chips. Anyway, very interesting. Tailgate candy corn. You have to go out and get you some when it comes out. You know, is that the hamburger you don't like? I see a, a really disgusted look yeah. on your face. <laughs> so the hamburger's the worst one. 
Yeah, and that is the one I was talking about, the the pink top and the like brown bottom. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. hamburger. Not good. I'll, I'll try it during <laughs> the break. Only one I think were really good so far. Uh the popcorn was pretty good. The vanilla ice cream didn't taste entirely too much like vanilla ice cream, but it was close. Now, the fruit punch, I'd hope, would taste good because it's fruit yeah, punch. It's like high C. Yeah. That's my be, favorite yeah, thing. That should be good. So the hamburger was the worst. Yeah. I would have thought the hot dog would be the worst, but hot dog didn't really have that much of a flavor. Uh-uh. No aftertaste either, yeah. which is different. All right. <laughs> well, I thought we'd have a little fun here. Yep. The full pink one is a fruit punch. It's fruit yummy. Punch. It's yummy. Okay, good. <laughs> Tailgate candy corn. <laughs> Need to get something to distract us from all the rain. Um, and, uh, Saints play tonight. Um, I don't know. I'm starting to get the feeling that we're going to see Jameis play tonight. It seems that way anyway, if you kind of read what, what, what people are saying and suggesting maybe could be the case. So might get a little Jameis tonight. Certainly don't want too much Jameis because I mean, I think all of us are OD'd on Ian book by now, even people who were pro Ian book. Have got to be OD'd on on Ian Book by now, but um, you know, I I don't want to see much more than maybe two series from Jameis and hope everything goes well. I don't want to see any of forty one. I really think you kind of want to, and I made this point uh, earlier in the season before the preseason really started. I guess you could say, but I think you want to in the last game to see maybe one two series from all of your starters at one point. You know, of course, not for Michael Thomas because he's still dealing with that yeah. hamstring, which is st- so annoying, by the way. Yes. <laughs> but I think you kind of do want to see somewhat of each of them because then you'll see the actual chemistry because you can see chemistry in practice, but seeing it on the field in actual game situation with another team, I think makes a difference no, for I, us. I, I agree. I think it does. By the way, did I notice yesterday, I, I don't know if y'all noticed, did the medicine season for the Los Angeles Rams begin yesterday? I kind of think the first sign of a full-fledged medicine season for the Los Angeles Rams began yesterday <coughs> where their little star defensive lineman, Aaron Donald, was swinging helmets like, like a cheerleader swings pom-poms. And, um, you know... None's gonna happen. I, I don't. I don't really get. Look, I get. There's a difference between him swinging a helmeted people uh, in practice than what than what Z28 did in Las Vegas on an off the field issue. But I don't get the difference between him swinging a helmet in a in a in an organized team scrimmage and Miles Garrett swinging a helmet in a game. It's still a football activity. I, I don't get the difference there. I've heard people this morning, oh, this is not like it. Well, why is it not like it? Why Why is it? I get that it's different, again, than what Kamara did, getting in a fight in a hotel. But I don't see how it's different than what, what Miles Garrett did swinging at Rudolph, I, I I I don't see why it's different. And what Miles Gary got, I think six games. So I mean, I don't think he's going to get anything. I just don't. I'm just saying, I don't. I don't. 
I don't see the difference. One is, I mean, one's a football game and the other one's just a football scrimmage, but it's still football. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't get that. But whether he gets any kind of punishment or not, um, I, you know, and again, the other thing I don't get is they say, well, this has nothing to do with the league. It's the team. Well, he's, he, he was playing an, it was still an NFL event. I mean, what do you mean the league doesn't have anything to do with that? I mean, being in a hotel is less the league than, than, than a football scrimmage. I don't, I don't, I don't really get all that. But anyway, I, I think it's again, the first sign. Well, it's the actually it was it's not the first sign. You know, their little coach laughing at other people publicly because he's so high and mighty uh was was the first sign. But um um you know, the put it this way. The mel- the medicine season it's going to be a full-fledged. It's going to be a full-fledged medicine season for the little Rams. All right. Let us take a time out. When we come back during the break, I'm going to try these other four flavors of tailgate candy corn. And when we come back, we'll be talking high school football with Karen Crow High head coach Tony Corville. Next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway. You could win $500 to chop specialty meats, new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to Cajun games, tickets to LSU football games, and more all part of the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. In order to be eligible for this prize, you got to join the Game Rewards Club. So go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, we have with us Karen Crow High Head Football Coach Tony Corville. How are you, sir? Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? I'm still trying to dry off from last. Well, night. I'm sure it, it's <laughs> been like uh, it's got to be a little tricky. You got a football team, and you and, and you know I don't know what time did the first game start after seven o'clock, I believe. So, h- h- how was how difficult was that process? Well, you know what, for us, we were uh, itinerary wise, we were set to leave at five forty-five and travel to UL, but that's when the clouds opened up and so we just hung around a little bit longer and then uh 
until we finally got some information, and we kept on getting information that there were lightning delays. So we just stayed here at school. Oh, okay. And then, <coughs> so, so it once wasn't we that. Finally, once we finally started, we we got in route to uh, to, to UL because you know a lot of schools that got there early, they were having to find places that you know they were in the tunnel, they were along the hallways by UL or by the athletic administration building stuff like that. So it was tough. So we just stayed here and it kind of worked out for us. Well, um, was it was the was it a normal kind of? I know it's artificial turf. But was it slicker to run on, or was it were there no issues once you started playing the game? Well, it, it, for us, it wasn't too bad. You know, all week long we were in the gym, so it was just great to get out. We actually practiced Monday in in the mud and stuff, and then Tuesday and Wednesday we were in the gym, and you know how those are with gym practices. You know, we, yeah, you know how that goes. But just to get out there in in the atmosphere and stuff like that you know just in, in elements wasn't bad uh you know we we made a comment we didn't have one bobble snap you know because we were under the gun we were gun and under the center and stuff and we have any any issues last night so i hope we didn't jinx ourselves so we felt good about that and no and our footing was good again we're speaking with karen crow i had football coach tony corville so, you know, I'm sure each year you have different personnel, different amount of, you know, with this group as a concern or that group as a concern. Where, with, with having kind of a dysfunctional week of practice and then kind of a weird night, were you able to get accomplished your top two or three? Like, we need to see this group and what they're going to be do, or, or, or how would you assess that? Yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, I think Coach, Coach Durant and St. Martin have done an excellent job, and he has a tremendous football team. He's- very scary athletic-wise on both sides of the ball. So we wanted to see if we can go out there and establish our run game, which, you know, with the elements was going to be conducive for us. And I, I, we felt real good about our, uh, our front line, the offensive line, you know, that, that we call the foundation. You know, any any great structure has a solid foundation. And our foundation of all, our offense is the, the offensive line. And they did a great job last night for us. Was the offensive line, though, one of the questions kind of kind of coming out of the spring? Or how would you, you know, because y'all, y'all been really good in that area in recent years. Well, no, no, you know, maybe I'm, I'm answering your, your question. No, no this, this is going to be one of our strong points. And, you know, he proved that last night. I think uh, otherwise, you know, we had some two young running backs that had got limited playing last year as sophomores. And they're now juniors. And uh, that would be uh, – Cashmere Batis and uh, Ken and Ryan, and they did an excellent job running for us last night. Uh, so, they, you know, they did some tough running, and they got some open field running, and again, uh, in pass protection. So we were pretty pleased with how they performed. And the real good thing, I would think, is you, you mentioned St. Martinville. That, that's a very yeah. explosive offense. So should have been a really good experience for your defense. How did that go? Well, not too bad. You know, that the – we actually held the offense out of the end zone. It was they scored on special teams, and guess who coaches special teams around here? So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, we were we were pleasantly uh, surprised at some things. We had some uh, obviously we got exposed in some areas, but that's why you play the jamboree, and we're, we're going to go ahead and take care of those things and pick them up and get ready for next week. So, is that though the area that especially? When you have an August with so much rain and practices, I'm sure not just the, in your place, but all over the area and the state have been disrupted maybe more than, than most years. Is the kicking game the thing that gets kind of, 
maybe not addressed as well as it needs to be, or, or, or is that not a big concern for you? No, absolutely. And, you know, you know, I have a extensive background, especially teams. I have a special place in my heart for special teams. And, you know, like being in the gym and stuff, you, uh, you know, all the big uh, coverage with a lot of yardage involved, hard to assimilate that so you you know in enclosed areas so you, you have to do a walkthrough and and then when, you, when you're outside you can do it or we call a teaching speed which is about 75 percent and you know so you don't want to go full speed on some of these things because they're because they're injuries and preventing preventing the injuries but yes they, they get kind of thrown to the side because you're not able to practice them at the uh, level you'd like to and the intensity you'd like to so tell us about your quarterback. I know he had some injury issues. Uh, what maybe are we going to see out of him this year? Uh, that's kind of you know some progress from what we've seen you know the, before his injuries last year. Yeah, I mean you know like last year he he, he went down week eight against uh, brother Martin, and he was on he was on track to rush for a thousand, throw for a thousand. Uh, but you know and then he he worked his tail off to get to come back. And last night we. Were, we were very happy with his, uh, his play. Uh, he's, he's getting a lot more accurate on his throws. You know, he's feeling. You know, he's got to wear a brace now, I and mean, he's getting more accustomed to that. And uh, but he's doing, you know, from the shotgun or underneath. And the thing about him is his leadership uh, in that huddle and everything, or uh, when we had the line of scrimmage making checks, so that he's really improved in, in his his knowledge of the game, his film work. He's um, showing now that he's studied the film. So what about his receiving core? How 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 would you assess the passing game part of it, not just from a quarterback perspective, but overall from what you saw in the in the scrimmage and now a jamboree? Yeah, you know, we got some guys, uh, a senior, Damari Francis and, and Exorian Martin, and some guys. And then we have a couple of young freshmen that uh yeah, uh, Chance Babino and Kendrick Bernard that are really developing and are gonna you know have to get some uh, Significant playing time for us this year, and maybe turn into stars by the end of the year. But they're getting better day by day. Now, so y'all, y'all um, scrimmage was against who? Brobridge and Abbeville. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and so did that. I mean, going into the scrimmage slash jamboree, like what were what were you? What were the main one or two areas that you were most anxious to see how y'all were going to perform? Well, on the defensive side of the ball, we only had five returning starters. So we had some guys that played significant minutes the year before but not going starters. So these guys are now full-time starters and wanted to see how they were going to react. And then last night on the, the lights, you know, gauging through how they were going to do. And some of, them played, some of them played well and some of them did. So that's why, you know, you do you played the scrimmages and the jamborees, the get those ex- exposures, and then come back and you make those corrections, and hopefully they will get better. So now that, you know, you're ready for the regular season, mm-hmm. what, what would you say is your biggest question, Mark? What, what, what's the thing that y'all still need to really address and get better at um, before you get to district? Well, one one thing is uh, we got we got five road games out of our first seven games. Wow. So we're going to oh, – yeah, you know, I wonder who does the scheduling around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But, and, you know, so, uh, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to the team uh, about we're going to have to become road warriors. And, uh, you know, I even looked up the definition of a road warrior, and it's a person who travels extensively on business trips. So, you know, we like to think when we get on those buses, we're on a business trip. We're not going on no field trip. So 
we're gonna have that mindset, and you know, we, uh, you know, we moved up to Fabi, which you know is an adjustment for us. But in the way you know, we played Fabi schools for the majority uh, the last few years in our district anyway, and a lot of them were in our own district that we're in now, three Fabi. So, I think just adjusting to being able to go go out on the road in those conditions and and uh, find you know go to work through those adversity, see how we turn up. Now, what's the longest one of those trips? None of them are – y'all not going to like – you know, y'all going up to Monroe and different places. What's the yeah. longest – You know, like last year we went to Ruston, and we've gone to Washington Parish, went to West Monroe. Now, the farthest one would be Alexandria, which is week one, and then we'll have the two of the three uh, Lake Charles schools we got to go to, Barb and to Sulphur. But that's the – in the first four games, I got one home game. Man. Well, yeah. Alexandria, you know, for years it was kind of like a an area where you didn't get much football, but Alexandria has kind of made it made its mark in recent years. Absolutely, I mean, you go, you go back two years to the state championship game against Kadiana. They had Kadiana on you know on their heels, and uh, Coach Bachman's done a tremendous job over there. Uh, you know, we just getting some film now on them, and uh, they're a very scary football team. All right, Coach. Well, we just wanted to catch up with you a little bit. We appreciate your time as always, and uh, good luck to the Bears this season. All right, Kevin. I appreciate you, man. All right. Take care. Tony Corville, head football coach for the Karen Crow Bears, and those who know the history of Coach Corville and that program, you know, he kind of made his mark on the special team side, so that was kind of funny that there, the issue that they had. Was special teams, but no, he is. Uh, he has certainly been a big part of his life. The whole special team side of it, and yeah, no, I think it makes sense at all levels that you have disruptions, and the special teams is the area that can pay. You know, it it, it is amazing to me over the years, especially at the high school level, covering high school football, how many games are decided by special teams, and because some. There, there can be such a ginormous disparity in in concentration levels between one team and another at the high school level, and there can be even at the NFL level. But I think the differences can be really great at the at the high school level, and I think part of that, not all of it, but part of it is the philosophy of the coach. Some coaches use special teams to rest their starters, especially at smaller schools, but even at bigger schools that you have starters who play a lot on both sides. Well, the special teams is where they rest, where you put backups in the game. Other coaches don't believe in that. Other coaches have their top players in playing special teams to prevent, you know, 70-yard or 80-yard kickoff return for a touchdown or punt return or, you know, a block punt that gets returned. I mean, those big plays decide football games. That's the big play element of it. The other one is, look at the score of that game last night, 13 to 12. You know, 14 to 13. You know, 21-19, and with 7-6, what's the difference there? Being able to do the simple thing like making extra points. For some schools, it's, 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 it's not guaranteed, but it's pretty close. Other high schools, making extra points is a chore. 
I mean, really a chore. And, like, you might miss half of them. And so it's amazing how many high school games are determined by extra point, by special teams. Some of it's the block punt or giving up long kickoff returns for touchdowns. And some of it is just can't make an extra point. Or the ball snapped over the punter's head and you give him an, uh, an easy, short feel and a gift touchdown. So it's, it's critical, no question. It's critical. And um, in my mind, if I'm the best team, those of you who know my philosophies on this, if I'm the best team, I want to limit. If I'm the best team, I want to limit my opportunities to lose the game on special teams as much as possible. Not all coaches agree with me. Not all fans agree with me. I get it. It's a free country. We can disagree. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Talk more to you. I'll eat a few more. I don't know how much of these hot dogs and hamburger candy corn I'm going to eat, but I got no problem eating the fruit punch, the vanilla ice cream, or the popcorn. That was all pretty good. Uh, hamburger, hot dog. Uh, I'll eat it again, but not as much. Not not as it's not as good as the other three. Popcorn's pretty good though. Tailgate candy corn, cat. You need to try some. We'll take a break. Our timeout. We'll be back on the game. South, South Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros want to remind you, Delta Media is your home for a High school football action throughout the fall. St. Thomas Moore can be heard right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. The Acadiana Wrecking Rams will be on MeTV, FM 97.7. Karen Crow Golden Bears. And again, we just spoke with Karen Crow head coach Tony Corville. Will be heard all year on Z1059 FM. The Southside Sharks, Mustang 107. Point one FM, both the Sharks and the Bears got victories last night in their respective Jamboree games. The Vermilion Parish game of the week uh, will be on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. The St. Landry Parish game of the week on News Talk 98.5. And the Bar Bucks on the game, 1041 Lake Charles. Make sure to download the station's free apps to listen to your favorite high school football teams and games throughout the season. Delta Media's your home for Friday night football. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to discuss high school football, if you went to the games last night, would love to hear your impressions of the the Turlings-Como game or the Karen Crow-St. Martinville game or the Brobridge-Southside game. Tonight's schedule, Lafayette High and Notre Dame. Hopefully, 
It starts at 6. Last night's game, because of lightning delays, did not. Cecilia versus St. Thomas More should be an outstanding game. Uh, as Jamborees go to watch in Northside in Acadiana. Finish it out. Um, We will be speaking. I heard that Raymond on RP3 and company interviewed Travis Blaze, the head football coach at, for the Westminster Christian Crusaders. There are a lot of confused people, including myself. There is now a Westminster Lafayette. I mean, I mean, that, uh, I'm like, what? Okay, my mind is cluttered enough. So we're going to have the principal of Westminster Lafayette on in the next hour. Maybe he can explain all of this. And, and, and that way we can have that distinct distinction between the two. And we can maybe, it can maybe answer some of the questions. Uh, maybe they can, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll discuss that um, with Principal Darby, Brett Darby in the next hour for between now and then we will have open phone lines. If you would like to get in what, um, obviously at this point, the most important thing that could take place tonight is that the saints stay healthy. You know, they have a lot of guys who hadn't been playing like, like Pete Werner, for instance, um, like plastic man, Michael Thomas hadn't been playing, but, it's different this year um, in that, yeah, usually when you don't play, like a lot of times you don't play in that fourth preseason game, and it's normally on a Friday, maybe a Thursday, forever. It seems like, you know, the Saints' last preseason game was, you know, on Jamboree night. So you you, you play that, and then, and then you basically have a week and a half off before your next game. Well, this year, it's because there's only three. They didn't move it up. I mean, move it back. You have two and a half weeks before your next game, unless you're playing in that little Thursday game. Um, so, you know, the, the NFL season is still starts a week after most t- college football teams in the country. So you have those two weeks, really. So if you don't play in this game tonight, then you have, I mean, two weeks of where you're just practicing, you got two more weeks to get healthy. So I'm sure they're, you know, going to try to utilize that to the best of their ability for sure for, for you know, hamstrings and groins and those kind of injuries that aren't like, you know, torn ACLs or separated shoulders or um any of those kind of things. You know, when we were watching the the Cajun second scrimmage, linebacker Kendrick Gant looked like that might have been what happened to him. He kind of went off. That might be something that would last a little longer, whereas like Jaquan Nelson, you know, you have like you tweak a foot or you sprain something or you pull a groin or you have a hamstring issue. An extra two weeks could do um, some good. You know, the Astros last night are dealing with all that kind of stuff where you just got – uh, injury after injury after injury, and rest is is kind of the best thing. So, if we see some of these Saints starters, like like I don't think we're going to see Werner, and I I really doubt they're going we're going to see Plastic Man tonight. But um, but Jameis, I don't know. I kind of think they're kind of like we talked yesterday. They're kind of backed into a corner. 
<clears throat> I mean, do you really want to go out there and watch Ian Book for four quarters? I mean, who wants to do that? And then they haven't been practicing him at all, basically. So, tough deal there. We'll see how that plays out. But, it, you know, again, it's time to get this preseason game, a uh, little season behind you, and you can practice and make your final cuts. And I think some of them at linebacker are going to be kind of difficult. I mean, I'm sure Bostick's going to play tonight. Most people have him on the bubble. I mean, who do you trust more, Bostick or Kay Nellis? I mean, who do you trust more, Bostick or Hanson? I mean, I kind of trust Bostick and Wilson, although I like Ellis. Maybe they could just keep all of them. We'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. sir. Man, uh, so we're here, man. It's it's week week three of the preseason, and uh, this is a little different from from my standpoint in that, you know, week three is always the, the dress rehearsal, and it's like, I'm hearing all this talk. Well, we, you know, we we don't really need to play these starters. And I'm saying to myself, like, what 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 is going on here? You know, we worried about injuries. Like, if a guy can't play in a preseason game, a cup, not even a whole game, right? We're talking about maybe a quarter, two quarters. But a guy can't dress up and play in two quarters of football. Oh well, we need to keep him healthy for the for the regular season. Man, it's 18 game season, Kevin. If you can't play in two quarters, and then, you know, if you're not healthy enough to go for two quarters, then you're not healthy enough to play the season. Well, if you got eight, four, at least, at least 17 games to play in the regular Right. No, your point so, is very, your point is very well made. I think it just goes down to, from a fan perspective, and probably coaches think the same way as well to a certain extent. You can live if, – if if your guy gets hurt in a regular season game, what you're going to do, that's football. But if he gets hurt in a preseason game, then you're going to be kicking yourself. Why was he in there? So it's just – it's kind of about being able to – what can you handle in your mind if it goes bad and deal with, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I that's, that's why that's, we think that way. Added. And, and, that, and that's the risk that you take because I think a lot of guys, you know, are trying to make the team. But in, in that sense, when, when it's a dress rehearsal game, you know, I think the, the coaching staffs not kind of need to get together and say, hey, look, you know, we'll put the starters in for, you know, the first quarter, first two quarters. That way the veterans know, hey, look, this is a dress rehearsal we're playing, but we're not really going out to hurt the guys. Kind of like they do in those, uh, you know, those joint practices, you know. They show some type of restraint, you know. For the guys that's trying to make the team, yeah, they're going to go out all out and try to make the play because they're trying to make the team. So, you know, you're more apt to get, you know, those guys, you know, taking risks, uh, you know, with tackles and, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I think, it's you know, they could come together and, and try to come to kind of understand that, hey, look, we're trying to get some, some good reps in this preseason, but at the same time we're trying to come on the other side healthy so we could, you know, have uh, yeah, I, players right. Right. I, I really – I kind of expect to see uh, Jameis tonight. So we'll see how, you know, it, it's nerve-wracking to watch guys like that play in the preseason for me. But, 
you know, once the regular season starts, you don't want him to get hurt, but you, you, you're at that point, like you were saying, you can't worry about that anymore once you get to the regular season. I don't know. In the preseason, I just still worry about it every time they step, take a step or drop back and get pressured and, you know, uh, you can see in their minds where, they're, oh, maybe I should run here. No, you don't want to run here. Like, like yesterday, Trey Lance, from what I – I didn't see us play at a game, but looked mediocre. But in a regular season game, if it's third and whatever and, and, and he breaks the pocket, Trey Lance is just going to run. But in a preseason game, he's not going to do that. So it's just not the same. True, yeah. true. But I, I, I'll say this. We play in Atlanta week one of the regular season, so these guys need to be ready to go. And I've seen, I've already seen Mariota in in, in the preseason game in week two. And, you know, they, he looked good. And he's going to probably get some more playing time in week three. So those guys are kind of tuned up and kind of ready to go and that that sort of thing. And I, and I get it, they're, they're practicing, but it's different in the game. So let's get, let's get a few game reps in there to kind of, you know, let's see how this thing is going to gel. This, right. is, this is new. No, you know, so. I, I, I get your point, and and I, I think they'll get a few more starters will play because I think the last game they had like 18 starters sitting, something like that. I think there'll be a few more playing, but I don't think it'll be everybody. We'll, we'll, we'll As long as they come out healthy, we'll be okay. But, no, but your point is well made. Okay. Thank well, you. I'll continue listening. Thanks for taking my All call. All right, Kevin. thank you for calling. No, it, it's a concern. I mean, especially – you know, if this was Drew Brees in year 15, then you w- we wouldn't even be talking about it. But when you're talking about a quarterback who's played very little in the last two seasons, it it, it there is an issue there. So I, I certainly get James's point. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, finish out the first hour. Footnotes next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the Black Pot Cook-Off. The Orneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a Black Pot Cook-Off on Saturday, September the 10th. Cooking begins at 8 a.m., Eating will start at noon. The Flower Auditorium in Arneville. There will be plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Justin Saunier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit ornevillefire.org. All right, as we were talking about a lot of high school football because the Jamborees have begun, not all of them were able to get played last night, but uh, tonight, um, they're hoping, anyway, to get played. The the uh, Cadia Parish Jamboree, Cadia Vermeer Jamboree shifts to Brobridge. Supposed to be Crawley and Abbeville versus Kaplan and Church Point. But again, last night, uh, they were supposed to play at Clark Field. Just never happened. North Vermeer versus Eunice. Rain versus Erath did not happen with all the lightning and everything. Uh, so that was not good. The schedule tonight at... Cajun Field is Lafayette High versus Notre Dame, Cecilia versus St. Martinville, Northside versus Acadiana. You also are look, we're looking at uh, tonight at Donald Gardner Stadium is the St. Landry Parish Jamboree. 
uh, looking forward to that. And also in, in Opelousas is the Westminster Jamboree. And again, we'll be talking to Westminster Lafayette Principal Darby in the next hour, kind of educating all of us about um, there being a new school, a new athletic program in, in this area. And it sounds familiar at Westminster, and it's kind of the same, but it kind of isn't. So we're going to... We're gonna, um, you know, kind of get informed and educated on all of that. So we continue to um, get, you know, just try to get through the all this preseason stuff. It's almost over. Like the high, the colleges are just ready. Their camps are broken. Still got another preseason game. We got one more day here of jamborees, and we can stop talking about what these teams are going to be like and be able to really see them play meaningful games. So it's getting real, real close. For those of us who are kind of have a little August fatigue, it's getting real, real close to September. And um, that's next week. And so it'll be um, – it'll get here soon enough. Just I keep telling myself that. All right, that'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk about Saints football, any of the thing you've seen, high school jamboree action last night. If... Um, if you missed out on the scores, um, Turlings beat Como 24 to nothing. Here are the one at the Kiwanis Jamboree at Cajun Field. Karen Crow beat St. Martinville 13 to 12. Southside beat Brobridge 14 to 6. If you want to talk Major League Baseball, lots. Of, I never saw, last I saw, the Yankees were up like 10 to nothing. That is not a good way to start a series. And, they probably ended up scoring more runs um, after I went to bed. They they were playing on on the uh, on the flight coast, so in Oakland, who knows how many runs they scored? Not 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 good for the Yankees um, to open up a road trip that way. But uh, they did. They you know I'm sure it felt good in the moment because it, they've been struggling to score runs for a while now. We'll see. If the Yankees can can stay hot, the the Rays won six in a row. Oh, the final score was thirteen to four. I guess could have been worse, but um, the um, the Yankees better pat Josh Donaldson on the back because the Rays are finally starting to get healthy and hot. And if Josh Donaldson about a week ago. The Rays scored three in the top of the 10th, I think it was, and then gave up a grand slam to lose the game 
in the in the bottom of the inning in extra innings and and, and kind of stole a victory from the Rays and at the Rays won that game hmm that things could be you know it would be they'd be like five and a half back right now somewhere around something like that so it it would be pretty dicey it would be pretty close it would still you know the division race would it's still theoretically a competition but the you know obviously I expect the Yankees to start winning some games I mean you just can't keep losing and losing and losing and losing and losing that I don't think it's going to work that way, uh, and the Rays would have to get extra hot. So, but uh, we'll still we'll we'll still see. We're we're getting close to September, but we're not actually in September yet. So still still you know things can change if they can pick up two or three games, might be something to talk about. Obviously, the other big race, probably the in a lot of people's mind, the most significant division race that's still left is in the other ESPN division on the National League side between the Braves and the Mets. You know, when the Braves made their humongous run, um, you know, they were having a full-fledged medicine season. They say, man, this is not the kind of medicine season we want. And so they got really hot, and everyone, all of us, well, I say all of us, a lot of us, thought they would just cruise past the Mets. Well, then they went to the they went to New York. I'd be four out of five, and all of a sudden they were, you know, what, six or seven back again. And now they're making another run, and I think all of us or most of us are kind of thinking the Braves are going to overtake them, but they haven't d- actually done it yet. It, it looks like they're going to, but they haven't actually done it yet, so we'll see. Uh, DeG- the Mets actually won a game that DeGrom pitched last night. That doesn't always happen. Uh, he's obviously a great pitcher, but they don't win that many games that he pitches. Just really a strange deal. And um, for whatever reason, once again, they didn't score a lot of runs, but they scored just enough to um, to to win. And we'll see if they can really hold off the Braves. And then if the Braves do catch him, like a lot of people are thinking is about to happen, then we'll see if the Braves can hold off the Mets. So, it, it you know. It should be a little back and forth there. Um, on the Philly, the Phillies are not really in the division race anymore, but they are very much in the in the wild card race. And Bryce Harper is coming back, so you know it. Logic tells us that if your best player comes back, you will win more games. But it just does. This is baseball. It doesn't always work out that way. Like. Logic says if you trade for Juan Soto, you're going to start winning a bunch of games. Hadn't really worked out that way for the Padres. Like, you know, baseball's just different. You you just don't know the dynamic is is so uh, chemistry and uh, is such a powerful dynamic in the sport of baseball. I think more than even some of the other sports. So I, it is. Going to be interesting to see how it happens in the stretch drive. Last night for the Astros, the new, you know, we're we're really starting to see the potential value in the last week of Christian Vasquez. I mean, he is, he's a guy I really liked. I like getting him. Uh, he got two more hits last night. He just has the ability to hit the ball to center if he needs to, punch it to right if he needs to. He hasn't hit for any power yet. And I, 
I obviously I'd like for him to hit for a little power, but but I'm not even I'm really not that worried about that. What I want out of him is that clutch single with runners in scoring position, and he did so again last night. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Mancini hit another home run. He just he just keeps hitting home runs. I mean, you know, he wants to just keep hitting home runs. I'm I'm all for it. Um, Will Smith is another, the other player that the Astros traded for. Um, also contributed last night, and he had a shutout inning. You know, I, I I still hadn't figured him out yet because to me, when I watch him pitch, since he's come to to the Astros, his his location is not that bad, but they still hit him like so somehow. He just doesn't have the same bite on his pitches. Um, is he tipping? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is. I, I, I don't. I don't know exactly what the deal is. Cause yeah, he's thrown some bad pitches. Most pitchers do here and there, but 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 a lot of the hits that he gives up, I don't. They're not like right down the middle. Is it's not like he's putting it on a tee like they seem to do most of the time for for Judge, but it's just. Like, it could be low and away, and then they just always seem to get a hit. So something's not right. I don't think his location is all that bad. So obviously he, he doesn't have the velocity or the bite on his uh, slider. I mean, whatever. I, I just – something's not right. Uh, I don't think he's at the point yet where they can trust him in a, in a postseason situation. And, I'm, and I don't buy – I mean, I hope it's true. But I am not buying this narrative that, um, well, he's this great postseason pitcher. Yeah, he does have good postseason numbers, but he's never, but it's been a long time since his regular season numbers were this bad. So to magically think that, well, when they get to the postseason, Will Smith's going to start pitching like he did in all these other postseasons. Possible. But I am not buying that. I, I don't think you can count on that. The other thing that concerns me about the Astros is Phil Maton is not – his curveball is not working like it normally does. And, like, again, last night, threw a curveball, gave up a base hit, and then he had to – you know, curveball is supposed to be his best pitch, and it has not been that effective lately. I, I, I don't know – he – he he's going to be a serious priority to me in the month of September. Like if they got to get him right, or I don't see how they're going to be able to trust him in the postseason. And again, he was tremendous in the postseason for the Astros last year. But right now, I I just don't see. I have no confidence in him. I know a lot of people have lost confidence in Montero. I really have, and I still don't. I don't think he's missing that bad. I still think his location is is fine most of the time. He's got to stop walking people, but. Um, I don't I don't think he's throwing that many pitches right over the middle of the plate. So I, I, I still I'm fine with Montero. It's not good that Presley is on the IL, but you know, I'm more with that, I think it's just gonna hurt me more from a fantasy standpoint than from the Astros. They've got it from an Astros standpoint, they've gotta get him healthy and they gotta you know, he can be out for a couple of weeks and then he's just gotta come back and and be ready to go for the stretch drive. And um Neris, eh, he's he he got it done last night. I love his attitude and his approach. I still don't know about his 
you know, his stuff and how it's going to play in the postseason. We'll just have to see. So the bottom line, though, is the Astros, with all those issues, El Perro still looks terrible at the plate. He's just lost. And uh, you just count to the time that maybe he will stop being lost at the plate. He, You know, he looks kind of like Bregman did the first two months of the season. He looks kind of like Icky did for about six weeks. Just lost. I mean, it's and it's a, it's a thing in baseball that you just don't get in the other sports where you have elite players who go through long stretches of looking like they've never played the game before or like they have no idea what they're doing. I mean, you just don't get that. I mean, great players in other sports have bad games, but they don't they don't look bad for like six straight weeks. I mean, it just doesn't happen. In baseball, it happens. And uh, right now, El Perro just looks terrible at the play. He does not look like the same guy that he looked like the first three months of the season. But that's baseball. And so hopefully he can come out of it in time for the postseason. We'll see how that plays out. So I, I don't think that the baseball races are going to be as interesting as they look like they were going to be at the All-Star break to me. It seemed, and there's still time for things to change. Again, all it takes is for a team like the Brewers or the White Sox. Uh, I don't know that these teams are capable of it right now, but all it takes for one of those teams to win eight or nine in a row and they're in great shape. I mean, it's just you got to do it. And some of these teams, they just, ne- they just can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes. But it can change in a hurry in baseball for sure. All right. So we'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll learn a little bit about the newest athletic department in the Cadiana area participating in the LHSA. Um, We'll see if we can answer some questions here and clear up some confusion. We'll do that on the other side of this timeout at the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. You know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We have with us a special guest, Westminster Christian Lafayette Principal Brett Darby. How are you, sir? Kevin, how are you today, man? Pretty good. So my mind is a mess right now. You know, we got we we're looking forward to this football season, going through all of the numbness of trying to figure out August. And, um, you know, it's a little bit peculiar for some of us to type up a Jamboree questionnaire where we have two, I mean, a a Jamboree schedule where we have two Westminsters competing in the same um, Jamboree tonight in Opelousas at the Opelousas campus at Westminster Christian. So 
help us, those of us who have questions, help us out here. Listen, I'm going to do my best. First of all, I appreciate you having me, man. I'm a uh, long-time fan, so I appreciate you um, Thank reaching you. out. So, so we are um, one school on two different campuses. We are, um, we are under the same board of directors, and we do have a president, what most people would think of as a headmaster or superintendent, um, who resides over both campuses. So we are one school on two separate locations. Now, the location in Lafayette for the past 25 years or so has been strictly an elementary campus. Um, it was an outgrowth from the Opelousas campus those many years ago and uh, started to serve the Lafayette community. And um, they, they just about five years ago, the, um, and it had been in the works for quite some time, but about five years ago made the decision to open up a high school campus here in Lafayette. And so in 2018, they started with their very first ninth grade class. And then last year, um, they had their first, we had our first uh, senior graduation. So we're, uh, we're a full-fledged state-accredited school. And um, last year, we participated in the Association of Christian Educators of Louisiana League, um, which was formerly an outgrowth from a, a, a long time ago Lafayette Christian Academy League that was started back in the Call late eighties, probably early nineties. Kevin, you probably remember that. But that, and, that, and, and that was that was eight man football. That was eight man football. Right. That's correct. Yes. And so we participated in eight man football last year. Did really really well. Uh, we have a good group of young men who are uh, working hard to make the transition to eleven man football. So to get back to the original statement, we are two separate campuses, but we're under the same. Um, umbrella as far as the board of directors are concerned uh, but we have great unity between the two campuses everybody works together uh, but we are we're working to establish our own identity here in Lafayette so we're excited about it man so you have two separate coaching staffs um is the are the mascots the same or different no that's a great question we have two complete coaching different coaching staffs we have an AD here in Lafayette Jim Stomps who's a who's a wiry veteran. He's coming uh, from Florida. Uh, hit one of, one of the things on his bucket list was to start his own football program from the ground up. And so he's doing that, and we're excited to see that happening. Um, and then uh, the Opelousas campus has their own AD and the full coaching staff. Uh, I know you know Travis Blaze. Um, he's the head football coach there in Opelousas. And so we have separate mascots. Um, they're the Crusaders. We're the Chargers. Um, so we're participating in in uh, single A in in LHSA. Of course, we're going through the we're just starting the two year probationary period uh, before we're full members. But we are participating fully. Um, we have a complete schedule for for football, and then uh, you know we have volleyball and all those other things as well. We can talk about it if you need to. But yeah, we're all we're all. Um, what we talk about is being unified but diverse, and so the Lafayette campus is its own campus, and um, you know we're we're looking forward to growing that. So t- again, we're speaking with Westminster Christian Lafayette Principal Brett Darby. So explain to me and the listeners about how this probation period with the LHSA uh, works. Like, is it like a two-year process, and and like it, it means you play games that count but you can't you can't you're not really technically playing for district honors or how does that work 
No, that's correct. So it's a two-year period, and, and, and what the probationary part um, kind of guides is we are we are put into a district, but we do not compete for district honors. Um, but we do our games do count toward our opponents' power points. Um, so it's a big deal for, for in that aspect because it helps us with scheduling. You know, because schools are, are comfortable doing that because they're gonna they're gonna be able to use that. It's just not a throwaway game, right? In other, yeah. And so, so the probationary period is two years, and what it does is it, it kind of establishes our school with some credibility with LHSAA. Um, you know, it kind of gives them the idea. Okay, yeah, they're for real, and they're they're working towards becoming, um, you know, a foundational member. And so that's what it is. And and you know, it's it's kind of a I don't want to say a drawback, but it is it kind of it's kind of a, a a thing that we have to work through as far as like you know we can't win a district title yet. Our students can't be named to the all district team. Those sorts of things. Uh, but our coaches are doing some good things outside of those parameters that are going to help uh, us honor our students for doing, you know, doing well and, and, and doing their doing their job. So tell me about tonight. You're going to be playing, I believe it starts at 5 o'clock. You're going to be playing yes. Thrive. So tell us about who that school is. Thrive is a charter school out of Baton Rouge. It's actually um, what some people would think of an old school boarding school. They actually – Students actually reside there during the week, and so they have their kids 24-7 for the full week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a school in Baton Rouge. It's, it's relatively new. They've been playing athletics for a while now, um, and uh, they, they got some good-looking athletes there. Uh, I, I think that we match up well the way that we play and run our offense. Um, I know our coaches don't, you know, you don't game plan for jamborees. Um, but, you know, we have the, our, our two coaches have, have had some conversations on the phone just to kind of help each other kind of figure out what tonight is going to look like. And so our, our kids, as much as they can, have, I mean, the rain's killing everybody. Right. You know, they, they've gotten themselves prepared. They've done some walkthroughs inside. And uh, so, listen, we're, we're excited. I know we're going to bring a lot of people there tonight with raincoats and rubber boots and all that good stuff. But we're excited about tonight. Right. So are they in are Thrive in the same probation period that you're in? You know, Kevin, to be honest with you, I don't know that answer for sure. I do know that they've been playing for a while. I don't know if they have uh, have met the two-year period yet with LHSAA, but I do know they're kind of in the same boat as us. I just don't know their timeline. So, uh, you know, so – in two years, once your probation ends, you'll be that'll be time for the next reclass. That's correct. Yes. And yep. so you envision being in the same district with Westminster Opelousas. Well, Kevin, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that they're gonna they're they're going to. We've had some preliminary conversations, and I think that they're gonna be they're gonna be uh, kind of aware of the fact that that might not be the greatest thing. I do know that there's a there's a district over with St. Ed's and that group uh, on the Highway 190 kind of area, and then the district down b- between Youngsville and Abbeville and kind of wrapped around there. So it does look like we may be in two different districts. Now I, I can't I, I don't want to confirm that, but I do know that there have been talks. To that. Right. In other words, you would be in the Highland Vermilion Catholic District. Yeah. Yeah. That would that, that's that's kind of what it's looking like. Yes. And your campus is near the airport? 
No, no, it is on south uh, near east. Uh, it's on East Broussard, Broussard near the right, okay. Kali Saloom, right. uh, the new roundabout that they put right. there. Uh, it, it's that we're down there. We're, we're it's actually off the road some, uh, so behind a couple of neighborhoods, and so it's it's hard to see from the road. But uh, again, it's been here for quite a long time. It's just you know I think we're trying to get ourselves some exposure to let people know that we're offering high school as well now. And they're, I know they're not playing football, but there's that other charter school in that same general area, uh, and y'all might be in the same district with them as well. That Well, I, if you're talking about the charter school near the Youngsville Athletic Complex, right. um, that school, Kevin, believe it or not, is, is pretty big. Nine through 12, I think they're at 800 kids now. So I would so they might even be in a higher district. I got what you're oh, saying. Oh, I would. Oh, I would think so. Now yeah. we, we we there is a there is a charter school on the north side of town, uh, north of of I ten. Uh, right. That is going to be more compatible as far as size wise is concerned. All right. Well, it's uh, again. Uh, you know how they. Uh, I'm an old dog, and you know what they say yeah. about old dog and new tricks. So I'm just trying to uh, figure all this out here. Kevin, look, I believe in you, man. <laughs> I know you're gonna have it. You're gonna have it worked out, bro. All right. Well, look, uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much, and y'all have a good time. Hopefully, the rain stays away at least at game time. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you, man. All right, take care. Brett Darby, principal, Westminster. Yeah, I think it'd be best if they put him in different districts. I agree with him. I mean, it's just. Uh, you see, I think newspaper like how, how you can't just you can't put Westminster anymore. From a media standpoint, even on the radio, you can't say what well, they're playing Westminster because that doesn't distinguish which West. I'm trying to figure out how this is going to work moving forward from my point of view, and so I'm glad. Um, I'm I'm glad Brett thinks we can figure it out. We will. It's just going to be an adjustment. No, it's – I'm trying to think. It's – is there – I don't know that I've ever – I don't know that there's a comparison to make here. I don't know that this has ever happened in this area, maybe in a different area, where you have the same school with, you know, opera. I mean, I guess it's – somewhat similar to like a college system where you have like Texas A&M Kingsville and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And then like LSU. Kind of under the same, like LSU A and LSU E. But but those are, I don't know. Anyway. It's different. It it, it is different. (laughs) And it'll be, I can imagine, they're going to have to play each other. Like even I agree with Brett that they should not be in the same district, but they got to play one another. That's just too much fun. Like that should be like the homecoming game for each one of them every year. I think that would be a good game yeah. to have like a for the homecoming, homecoming game. game yeah. Play against your other campus and that'd be yeah. good. That'd be fun. Man. And and like he said, it's more than just football. So many of us just think football, 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 but there's more to life than and there's more sports than just football. So, wow. It's a very yeah. forgotten fact. <laughs> very, very interesting.
And and again, I'd heard about it. I just never could compartmentalize what all this means. And uh, appreciate Brett coming on to help us out there. All right, so we will take a timeout. Come back. Talk more to you on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure Cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Definitely need a little Baker Street right now. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the game clubhouse. If you would like to win such great prizes as a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or maybe a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, as well as Astro tickets and other kinds of prizes, you need to join the Game Clubhouse. You can do so by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. It's free, it's simple, so sign up today. All right. Um, We don't talk a lot of NBA, especially off-season on this show, but I just had to comment. First of all, I – I intentionally, most days, stayed away from the daily Kevin Durant saga. And where is he going to go and what team wants him? And he was going to stay and then he wants to leave and he's bashing the GM and all. I mean, it's just it's just too much for me. And now that it looks like he's going nowhere – and that Kyrie is going nowhere. I, I didn't. Re- I don't regret just a bunch of useless talk. Is what it ended up being for for two months during the summer. But this Patrick Beverly thing, it's just you got to be kidding me. So obviously, when we first heard the news earlier this week that Patrick Beverly was going to the Lakers, my. F- I don't know. My first thought was, are they just trying to create a soap opera? Like, what? My second thought was, this has got to mean that they're going to trade Westbrook, although he seems virtually untradeable. So it's just, you know, so I go back to, to point one. Like, they just want to become a soap opera? Like, what, what are they doing? So I don't know. Like, they probably could use a little feistiness that Patrick Beverly brings. But I got I got to – I mean, I don't know who in the world's going to trade for Westbrook, but it kind of makes sense that that's really what this means. But, man, I don't know. And while we're on the NBA, and, again, I know we don't talk much NBA out of season especially, but the whole Chet Holmgren thing, you know, it, it it's – 
it's tough when maybe it's I've heard people say it's he's been people have been unfairly critical of him and he hadn't even played yet but when you're when the the quote unquote potential un, unfair criticism is that he's too thin he's going to get hurt and then he doesn't even make it to the ne- he can't even get out of the off season and now he's done you got to just oh uh, does any other sport do this? And what I mean by that is you have basketball players who get drafted and they're playing in these games. Like, do how many football players after they get drafted are playing actual football games? I guess baseball players play in these, like, summer leagues. I don't know, though. I think when, once you draft in baseball, they're not going to let them go play in these. I guess they could let them play in, like, a Mexican league. or I don't know. I, I just wonder how many other sports are, are these drafted financial commodity commodities in, you know, playing just these games in these little high school gyms or small – I don't know. It just seems strange. All right. Let's go to the game hotline. Talk to our friend Rockefeller. Hello. <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I mean, really, it's just soap opera stuff, right? I mean, what's going on here? Oh, Kevin, I told you, man. I, I think I told you a couple of months ago. Or maybe I know we talked about this before, but I, go to, I told you. I go to show you how far. Society is going to hell, man. We're going to hell. We got Patrick Beverly now. So I'm going to show you how, how far we have come as a, as a society. Mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly. And guess what? The only one, the only one, as you might have figured, the only one that thinks that's a good move is who you think that, who you think that, who you believe that that's a good move in their eyes, Kevin? Who you think I'm talking about? LeBron? <laughs> no. LeBron? No. No. Paul, of course. Oh, Paul, wow. great move, great move. Listen, man, he, he gave LeBron trouble. He did this, and then I'm like, he gave LeBron trouble, really. When and where that happened, that I want to know, and I want to know why that makes it a good move. He gave LeBron trouble and stuff. And he's 30-some years old, and like he's 26, so I'm like, Patrick Beverly. And him and Russ hate each other, too. So how you going to That's what Patrick I'm saying. Beverly? I don't know. How are you going to bring Patrick Beverly on the roster and him and Westbrook want to kill each other already? Well, so, they need someone I mean, on the roster that will shake things up when they're losing every game. But but I don't know if he's the one to do that. You know, No, but I, I, this got to mean that Westbrook's not going to be there. I don't know well, how he's it, not going to be there. It better mean something. It better mean something. I'll tell you that because, like I said, I mean, why that came to fruition, I don't know what made him do that or what, what they're thinking about and stuff. I know they gave up T and all this kind of stuff, and that's cool because he didn't really impress me anyway. But I hear people say Patrick Beverly is a great move. Not a good move, a great move. So I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'm not the only – you see, I, I thought I was the only one that was crazy. You know, you say I'm crazy, you, you know, I go fishing every weekend. That's all I do. So people think I'm just – I got fish brains and stuff. So I guess I'm just a nut sometimes. But I just don't understand, man. Like I said, that's what our society has come to. We have gone straight to hell. 
when the Lakers got to go get Patrick Beverly and people out there dumb enough to call that a great move and a savior. <laughs> really? Kevin Foote, you have a great weekend, man. You I love too. you. Bye. Take care. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, it's probably a little more of an indictment of the Lakers and all of society, but it's it's not good. It, and, and, again, I just – it's got to mean that. So, it's got to mean that Westbrook's just not going to – it's just not going to happen. He's not going to be there. I hope he's not there. I just don't know who in the world would take his contract on. I have no idea. Doesn't make any sense. But at least it's like a legitimate move rather than talking for two months about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going somewhere and they're going to end up going nowhere. Because the Nets had their, I mean, that whole situation and all that talk never made any sense whatsoever. So, again, we don't talk much NBA, but I needed to, I felt like I needed to comment or wanted to comment on that situation. What a mess. Rockefeller's right about that for sure. That is a mess. All right, let's go back to the game hotline and talk to Darren. Hello. Hey, what's happening? How are you, sir? All right. Now, being at the Lakers pickup Beverly, which I think, might be an okay pickup. I, I compare him to the Rondo pickup, even though he might not be more as effective as Rondo on the offensive end. He might be more effective on the defensive end. But that all all that just says is they're pushing Westbrook out the door. But do you really think Westbrook was the main problem of last year's team? Uh, that there were so many problems to say Maine. I don't know, but it was, he was pretty close. I mean, he's useless. Well, I'm going to put it to you like this. This is just my opinion because I see all three of us that was just talking is really Lakers fans. My opinion was Anthony Davis was the problem, you know, because if Anthony Davis would have been healthy all season long, like he was supposed to be, because he's the young buck on the team. He's the young superstar. LeBron wouldn't have to play as many minutes. LeBron wouldn't have to average 38 to 40 minutes a game. No, that, that's and, a fair those – are, those are fair comments. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Now, with Westbrook and LeBron I mean, and, and AD playing together, we wouldn't have to use LeBron as the dog, even though we all know what, what role LeBron plays. But – it would have been more of a Westbrook and AD show. And you know everybody who plays with Westbrook always has one of the better seasons of their career. As I'm saying that Durant won MVP with Westbrook, uh, Harden had one of his best seasons ever in his, his career with Westbrook. Bradley Bill was averaging 35 points a game with Westbrook. Paul George was an MVP candidate with Westbrook. I mean, if Anthony Davis would have stayed healthy, what kind of season do you think he would have running a pick and roll with Westbrook? And well, LeBron could have. No, what you're saying is accurate, but my question is: Is Westbrook now at the point where he's on? You know, he's getting close to being washed up. I'm not saying that, but Westbrook Westbrook is not the type of guy where he's trying to average thirty a game. Westbrook is the type of guy who, okay, I'm going to let the next guy eat and I'm going to just play the point guard, you know? So Anthony Davis would have been that guy to actually flourish off of Westbrook. 
But when you're putting the ball in Westbrook's hand and expecting him to score 25 to 30 points a game, that's not going to work. And if you have LeBron playing with the ball in his hand, most of the time with Westbrook, I mean, it's not going to work like that, you know? No, no. They both need the ball in their hand, you know? Uh, LeBron and Westbrook at the same time. So with Anthony Davis being hurt most of the time, LeBron couldn't have played that that guard, that that extra rule that Anthony Davis was supposed to be playing. No, what you you're know? saying makes sense. I, I agree with you that Anthony Davis being hurt most of the year was the number one problem. I agree with you. I agree. But I don't – the problem is I don't know if that's ever going to be fixed. Exactly my point. So if anybody was supposed to get – get off the team, I think it was it was supposed to be Anthony Davis. If you could have replaced Anthony Davis with another superstar to take his spot, I think that would have been a big solution. I mean, also get Westbrook on the team, but we need to replace that guy. Uh, I, I, I just don't know if that's going to happen, but I appreciate the call. Yeah, Thank you very much. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but, I don't think so either, but we'll see. Thank you. All right, thank you. No, what he said made sense. I, I just, I, you know, but I just, they're just a mess. The bottom line is they're just a mess. And um, I don't know if it's going to get better anytime soon for sure. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show, this week's show as we go into a weekend and hope that it doesn't pour every 20 or 30 minutes. Maybe we can get all the jamborees in tonight. It would be nice instead of all of that rain, rain, rain. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today and this week's show of footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. The time is the time to get there, and the distance to get there is getting shorter and shorter each day. <sighs> Has been a long August, but it's almost September. Again, Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. For There are major league teams that are starting to say, man, this season is getting long for sure. Uh, we obviously we've got some more high school jamborees that we've been talking a lot about the last two or three days that are going to take place tonight. Few college football games, none of any major local interest, uh, and obviously NFL preseason games tonight. Saints are hope playing its only home preseason game against the Chargers. I like that idea of playing the Chargers in the preseason. That means they're not playing them in the regular season. That's a good plan. But there's also Major League Baseball. Just to give you a hint of or a taste of. Uh, the bigger series, no blockbuster series. We've had a lot of blockbuster kind of really high interest, you know, Astros in the last month or so, Astros, Yankees, you know, and then the Astros played the Mets, and then the Astros played the Braves recently, and the Braves played the Mets, and, you know, Yankees, Red Sox always kind of moves the needle. 
None of that this weekend. We do have Tampa at Boston. Tampa's done a really good job of, with the Red Sox all year long. We'll see if they can continue that. They've won six in a row, so we'll see how that plays out. And they're going to be facing against Michael Walker, who used to play for Tampa, and he did terrible for them. Most pitchers who are kind of not doing well, when they go to the Rays, their, their career goes up. They get better. They surprise people. Well, Waco, that that did not happen. He got worse. He did terrible for the Rays. So that'll be interesting to see how he does against the Rays. Um, and they as they open that three game series uh, tonight uh, after Boston lost an extra inning to Toronto. Toronto is getting hot. We've been kind of waiting for that and didn't know when it was going to happen. But they're getting hot. They played the little MVPs, which is kind of scary because. The little MVPs have lost six in a row now, and they're going to Toronto. And the Astros are about to play them. I mean, how many games in a row are they going to lose? So I need the little MVPs to win one or two of these games in Toronto. I don't want to have to play them when they're like on some 10 or 11 or 12-game losing streak. I don't ever like playing the teams lost that many games in a row. That is not good. Don't like that at all. So hopefully the little MVPs can muster a few wins because uh, it's not looking good. Reed Detmers at time has pitched well, so maybe he can do that tonight. The uh, Yankees will continue their long streak against the Oakland A's. J.P. Sears will be going against Garrett Cole tonight. And probably the best weekend series is the Cleveland Guardians at Hannah Seattle Mariners. Shane Beaver against Logan Gilbert tonight. Boy, that, that is a feisty team. That is a feisty team, them Guardians. So that's probably the best series uh, overall in the Astros series against the Orioles. And you can hear all those games right here beginning um, tonight um, at 7-10, normal starting time for Astro weekday home games. And you can hear all that action between the Orioles and the Astros uh, on the game right here, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1. Lake Charles. As far as the Braves and the Mets, um, the um, the Mets are hosting the Rockies. They did that yesterday, and the Braves. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I mi- Yeah, I missed. I mistook it here. That is the best series of the weekend. I don't know how I overlooked that. The Braves are playing at the Cardinals this weekend. Spencer Schrider against Jose Quintana tonight. Quintana. Huh, 7-15 start. Yeah, I don't know how I missed. I overlooked that when I was looking at the schedule. Braves-Cardinals be a very interesting series. A lot of Braves fans that I know kind of look down their nose at the Cardinals. We'll see what happens after this weekend. I'm mad at the Cardinals because, one, stupid Pujols plays for him. And, two, Paul Goldschmidt's having this MVP season. I had that guy last year for, like, the third time, and he was a donkey last season. And this year he wants to be MVP. So I'm being, I have some petty, a lot of petty hatred towards the St. Louis Cardinals right now. Appreciate um, Principal Darby coming on and Coach Corville. Y'all have a nice weekend.